In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O God, by the leading of the star, you made known your only begotten Son to the Gentiles. Lead us who know you by faith to enjoy in heaven the fullness of your divine presence. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from Isaiah, chapter 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. For the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you, and nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see, they all gather together, they come to you. Your son shall come from afar, and your daughter shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense, bringing good news, the praises of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is from Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has been now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the second chapter. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod heard the king... When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least of the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. 
After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, we rejoice every day of the church year that Jesus, the son of David, has come into our flesh to redeem us from sin, death, and devil. It's one of the events that is central to the Christian faith, but especially on this day, when we celebrate the epiphany of our Lord, we rejoice to celebrate that this reality has come not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles as well. This is what St. Paul is referring to in our epistle when he writes, this mystery, that is the mystery of Christ's incarnation, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise of Jesus Christ through the gospel. In this great reality that Jesus is for the Gentiles as well is revealed to us already at the coming of the Magi. Now we should note at the outset that the Magi have many misconceptions about them. We don't, for example, know how many of them there were. There may have been three as tradition teaches, but there may have been only two or there may have been 12. All we know is that the were there was more than one, and that the gifts brought were threefold, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It's in fact entirely possible that instead of each one bringing one of these, that each of the Magi present all three. We know from history when these Magi traveled, and that they would have done so with a great caravan of servants who were responsible for caring for the animals, carrying the goods, setting up the tents, etc. Therefore, there was likely, regardless of the number of magi, around 100 people in the caravan coming from the east. There's also the idea that these magi were kings, an idea we probably get from the carol, We Three Kings. But this is not in the scriptures, and in fact, according to our knowledge of history, they were simply learned men, learned especially in the study of astronomy, hence they're paying attention to the stars, and noticing the rising of the one in the east which pointed them to Christ. Finally, there's the misconception that these magi show up on the night when Jesus is born, that they're there with the shepherds coming in from the fields, but that's not the case either. They see the star appear in the east on the night in which Jesus is born, but they must journey from a distant country still. And so it's about two years later that the magi actually show up. We can see this in the text from St. Matthew, because he records that Herod sends his soldiers to kill all those children of Bethlehem, who were two and under, according to the time ascertained from the magi. We see this also in the text where St. Matthew notes that the Magi come to see Jesus, not in a manger, but in a house. At the end of the day, there is in fact much we do not know about the Magi, but there is one thing we do know, which is of particular importance, and which we can learn from them. When they do finally come to Jesus and find him, their first response is to fall down and worship him. These men, to whom the people in Israel would have bowed themselves in their presence as they come in this great parade of animals and servants and good, these men who are important enough that they garner an, an audience with Herod himself, these men humble themselves and fall down and worship Christ. When they show up, it's not Mary or Joseph who bow down in their presence, but the Magi fall upon their knees, for they recognize exactly who this child is. And it's from this example of the Magi that we learn something regarding the nature of the worship of God. 
there's an idea that floats around that there's no wrong way to worship God, the same as there's no wrong way to pray. But we see in the scriptures that both of these are wrong. We see then with the Magi an example of the true worship of God. And there are perhaps four things we get in this example. We see that the worship of God is scriptural, sacramental, focused on Christ, and results in the fruits of the faith. So the first mark we get is the worship of God being scriptural. That is, it flows out of the scriptures. It's directed by and grounded in it. The Magi saw the sign of the star in the sky, but they only knew what this sign meant because they had studied not only the sky, but also the scriptures. Later, when they get to Jerusalem, the reason they know to go to Bethlehem is because the scriptures have directed them there. Finally, they know they are to worship Jesus, that he's worthy of their praise because the scriptures have taught them who this child is. So when we read and learn and hear the scriptures, we too are directed to know who it is that we are to worship. Luther, when commenting on this text, makes the observation that when you grasp for Christ apart from the scriptures, you will grasp the devil. That is, if you look for Jesus apart from where he has revealed himself, you will end up with a false Christ, an invention of our own minds and influenced by both the world and the devil. The worship which is based on the scriptures will always direct us to the Christ of the scriptures, the one who lays in a manger, the one who works miracles and raises the dead and casts out demons, the one who is crucified by a mad crowd, buried in a tomb, and is raised from the dead himself. From this also will flow the language of worship, the language of the scriptures themselves, unconcerned with creating new and more pleasing words and phrases. This is the first and foundational mark of Christian worship, that it is grounded in the word of God. Next, we see that the worship of God is sacramental. That is, the worship of God is centered around the signs and symbols which the Lord institutes and gives to his church. For the Magi, this is found chiefly in the star in the sky. It is the sign, the only sign, given to the Magi in order to direct them where to go. For the Israelites, the signs were the sacrifices in the temple. For us, it is the blessed sacraments of baptism, absolution, and altar. Here, the Lord directs us to where we are to find the worship of God. It's where the Lord has attached his promises to outward things. In the same way, the Lord attached his promise of the birth of Jesus to the outward sign of the star. So also for us, he has attached the promise of the forgiveness of our sins, the certainty of salvation, a good conscience, unending joy and life everlasting to the outward signs of water, a pastor's voice, and bread and wine, all bound up to God's word. However, though the star of the Magi lasts only for a short time, for us, we have these gifts of baptism, absolution, and altar for all time, until the Lord returns in his glory to make all things new. This is the second mark, then, of Christian worship, that is, that it's sacramental. Third, we see that the true worship of God is centered on Christ. That is, everything is always only about Jesus, and He, who he is and what he does for us. The Magi show up in Jerusalem looking for Jesus. They don't stay at home, far away, praying on their own, thinking pious thoughts in their heads. They go to where Jesus is, and so do we. We go to where our Lord has promised to be for us. We go where the scriptures are preached and taught in their purity. We go where the sacraments are administered in accord with Christ's institution. The first two marks of worship point us to the third. They're all connected with each other, part of a larger whole. And when we come to where Jesus has promised to be for us, we find a Christ, a God, who is gracious and merciful, who is there for you, not with his wrath and anger, but with his forgiveness and kindness, a God who is present for you solely for the purpose of forgiving your sins. It's why the Lord institutes his church. It's why he gives us the scriptures. It's why he gives us the sacraments. And it's why he gives us himself in the person of Jesus, 
He gives these things to us so that our sins would be forgiven. We make this note in the large catechism of our Lutheran confessions that everything in the church is to be ordered toward this goal that we daily receive in the church, nothing but the forgiveness of sins and eternal life in Christ. And so this is the third mark of Christian worship, that it's centered on Christ. Finally, the worship of God results in the fruits of the faith. That is, faith produces good works. It produces a response to all that the Lord has given to us, and so that all our gifts are offered back to God in response. We see this in the Magi on account of the gifts which they bring before the Christ child. They bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and each teaches us about our own gifts, which we bring by faith. To bring, to bring gold to God is to bring to the Lord our physical possessions. It's to send back to him a portion of what he has himself given to us. And it's to confess by faith that we need Jesus more than we need our stuff that our neighbor needs Jesus more than we need our stuff. So we bring our gold, like the Magi, to provide for the continued preaching of the gospel in this place. To bring frankincense is to bring to the Lord our prayers, the sacrifice of thanksgiving, calling on the name of the Lord. Frankincense was used in the temple during the church's worship, and it's what is referred to in the psalm when we sing, Let my prayer rise before you as incense. And so we bring to the Lord our prayers, calling upon him in every trouble, praying, praising, and giving thanks. To bring myrrh is to confess the death of Jesus as well as our own. Myrrh is the chief spice used to anoint a dead body, so the Magi bring myrrh to Jesus as a confession that this child has come to die and that he will die for the sins of humanity. For us to bring myrrh is to confess that Jesus has died the death that I deserve, that he has shed his holy and precious blood to redeem me from sin, death, and the power of the devil, that he has been nailed to the cross to suffer the wrath of the Father in my stead, that he has died for me. But it's also to confess that I too will die, but that in Jesus I already have the final victory over the grave, that I will, because of Jesus, die a blessed death and also be raised on the last day, just as he has risen from the dead and lives and reigns to all eternity. This is the picture of the worship of God. In these things we confess our faith, like the Magi did. We may ask, what can we give to express our faith in the Lord? Well, we can give what is precious to us. We can give our time, our offerings, our praise. We can give our lives. And so we come to where Jesus is and we worship him here in spirit and truth, in our here forgiven all our sins, strengthened in our faith, confirmed in our love, made prepared to die and to be raised. That's why we're here today and why we will continue coming until he returns. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.